All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Justify Your Existence podcast. Um, it is Monday, November 27th, and uh, I'm your host, Brendan Farrell. As always, I am joined by James Murphy. James, say hello. Hello, guys. Hope you're enjoying your Thanksgiving leftovers. Yeah, and, um, you know, as always, you can find us on Twitter at bfarrell727, and for James, you can find it at JS Murphy Media, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, just a few things to unpack from this past weekend. Um, just an extremely normal weekend. Um, so, yeah, you know, you mentioned Thanksgiving leftovers. So I think we're going to start with some Egg Bowl talk. And um, Ole Miss, you know, comes out with the win. Uh, that itself isn't too surprising. But I would say that the way that they did was. Yeah, definitely. The offense early on looked, I think you could argue, the worst it had all season. Things just weren't quite clicking. Um, A lot of the plays that they had made for much of the year, they weren't quite making to start the game. And initially, Mississippi State was able to take advantage of it to a point where they had a lead late early in the third quarter. And, you know, credit to to Ole Miss. They really responded after that, and they were able to get enough plays to win. And, you know, in an environment like the Egg Bowl where – absolutely nothing is normal ever to be able to respond is really all you need and they did that yeah I feel like heading into last week um you know there's always the line about oh you know it's a rivalry game anything can happen and I was just sitting there going no look at the matchup no not happening but you know once again the egg bowl gods have uh given us a weird one yeah, they gave us a very they gave a very weird one, and you know this is another instance of how and I'll get to this a little bit more later. How Ole Miss has grown a little bit under Lane Kiffin. To be able to win one way is one thing, but when you have that thing taken away because of what the other team does or outside forces, and to be able to win a different way, again in that environment, spe- speaks a lot to the team and speaks a lot to how they've really progressed under Lane. Yeah, what'd you think of that uh, 3-0 first half? I was convinced I was watching the Big Ten West. Well, that's fair. That that sounds about right, given you know your perspective on things. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it was interesting. And, um, you know, I, again, I think Mississippi State came out with a lot of fire, which obviously you need to in a rivalry like this. So... You know, credit to them, they put up a really good fight. Greg Knox, I, I think he had them ready. It's just that they didn't quite have the bullets at the end, but they put up a great fight. Yeah, no, if you had Will Rogers doubling, more than doubling up dart and passing yards. With a bad shoulder. Yeah, uh, go get, go go play the lottery. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, go, go play the lottery. You, you've, got, you've got something on your side, clearly. I mean, yeah, it's just it's just kind of strange. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. It was just kind of a game where you're sitting there and you're going, "How is this game like this? How is this three zero at halftime? How is this like still a game entering the fourth quarter?" Right. Right. And as almost kind of does, they just turn it on. Yeah, they did, and they got the plays they had to when they had to. I thought the uh, play fake to get Priest Corn wide open, who I think is a very big X factor for Ole Miss, was obviously obviously big and really a great way to utilize a guy who every time he gets the ball it it seems like good things happen for Ole Miss like he's either wide open or he just keeps the drive going there he was able to 
you know, obviously in retrospect, put the nail in the coffin, but it speaks to his value to that offense and what he's able to add for them. Look, that was just some beautiful tight end leak there. It was just lovely, good stuff. And it was very good situation. That, that was a fourth and short, third, third and short, if I'm correct. Yeah, pretty much, I think. Third and short, just get everybody to think it's a run. And with Judkins playing the way that he had, Mississippi State had every right to think that it was a run, but just enough guys bit and Priest Corn was wide open. I think after the game, Jackson Dart was talking about how he didn't think Priest Corn was wide, that wide open. Like he, I think he looked at him and he wasn't convinced. Like he thought that he wasn't seeing that right. I think it's just one of those things where you end up so open that you just kind of like mentally freeze and go, wait, no, that can't be right. Right. You're that open. Surely there's a defender somewhere that like I'm missing. Yeah. And especially in a game like that, you know, it, it's totally proper to think that, but it also speaks to the play calling of the Ole Miss staff. Yeah. So, you know, once again, uh, Greg Knox, putting together a a tight game with an in-state rival as an interim coach. It's amazing how much this has happened to this man. It is. And by the way, I did not know he was an ATV driver. Did you know that he was an ATV driver? I did last week. Oh, right. Yeah, he was that. And to to be able to get that interview before he went out on that peak college football, love to see it. Look, you know, whatever gets – the players fired up to go out there and play. Clearly it worked. Kind oh, of. Yeah. No, it did. It absolutely did. But um, I think the the big thing for State to get out of that game is uh, sort of the reason why they're bringing in their new guy is that they scored seven points. Mm-hmm. Um, as Mississippi State has found out a bunch of this year, um, I guess outside of the Arkansas game, you can't score seven points and expect to win games. Nope, and it looks like they brought in a guy who, at least on paper, has what it takes to solve that issue. Yeah, uh, before we move on to that, did you want to add anything else about the Eichel? Well, as I said, just very impressive by Ole Miss to be able to win in a way that they weren't quite used to doing for most of the season um, when that offense was taken, was kind of taken out of their usual rhythm, but was still able to make the plays that it had to and for the defense to be able to step up when they had to. Very impressive, and... Regardless of whether or not they end up in a New Year's Six Bowl, I think you've got to be pretty proud of this season if you're Ole Miss. Yeah, exactly. We'll see how the uh, bowls break down. Uh, I'm. This is not my strength trying to figure out, um, you know, bowl tie-ins and which, you know, who qualifies for a New Year's Six and who doesn't, and you know what, you know what bowls might pick, you know. So we'll see how it breaks down, but. Um, yeah, you know, it's really hard for uh, Ole Miss fans to be upset about, you know, a 10-win season. Yeah, definitely. And they showed a lot of growth. They were able to finish a lot of games that I think oh, I think last year people would argue they wouldn't have been able to finish or games where that they just wouldn't have been able to win, period. Yeah, now they've won more than uh, just a few one-possession games this year. Yeah, just a few more one-possession. They won, in my opinion, all the ones they were supposed to win, plus I think you could argue a few where you wouldn't be shocked if they lose. You know, the LSU win was big. The Auburn and Texas A&M wins, not talked about quite as much, but in my opinion really stand out because Texas A&M obviously has some of the most talents in college football and Auburn going to Jordan-Hare Stadium. Ole Miss did not do well there before this past year. So those two wins stuck out to me in particular. 
Yeah, not to mention that uh, ranked win over Tulane early in the season. That's right, ranked win over Tulane, who might be headed back to a New Year's Six, depending on how things shake out against SMU on Saturday. It's, it's Saturday, right? Probably. I just figure everything's Saturday at this point. I know the Pac-12 and Conference USA play on Friday. So, yeah, let's let's switch over to the uh, Jeff Levy talk. Um, what were you thinking when you saw that notification? Well, we talked about on, I think it was last week's podcast, how the SEC has gone from a conference where it has the best defenses in the country to where it has the best offenses in the country. You know, a lot of these wide receivers that have come out, you talk about guys like Jerry Judy, you talk about Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, I could go on to even guys right now like Malik Neighbors and uh, Brock Bowers, the tight end. It's become a very offensive conference and as such, you need to be able to keep up and on paper, I think Mississippi State has hired a guy that can meet that standard. He, as you guys know, has been the offensive coordinator there for two years. As I was doing some research, I noticed two things. So his first job as an FBS offensive coordinator was UCF in 2019. Then he was at Ole Miss from 20 to 2020 to 2021. And these past two years, he's been at Oklahoma. Every year, he's been an FBS offensive coordinator. That team has led its conference in average yards per game. Really? Really. And two of those seasons, they those teams averaged 500-plus yards, and I believe in three of them, they were top five in the country. Yeah, I was going to say, this is definitely a name that's very familiar to folks in the state. Yeah, definitely. Just not Maybe just not in uh, Starkville. What, what's the county name? No, never mind. In Starkville. In Starkville as well, no matter regardless of where. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out with the offense because you feel like you do have some playmakers um, at state, you know, if they stay. But also, like, I mean, again, we're talking about an offense that has really, really struggled this year. Definitely. And it's also a matter of getting more guys into the building who can carry out a lot of what Jeff Webby will want to do. I mean, we talked about before we got in here, guys like Xavion Thomas and Tua Griffin, guys who if you get them the ball and if you give them enough space and get them in a ribbon, good things happen, plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, for me, what it always gets me is that you can't go out there and score, you know, 14 or fewer and say, hey, look, we're competing, right? That's just not where the SEC is anymore, right? Like, you know, they scored 13 in a loss to Auburn. They scored three in a loss to Kentucky. They scored 10 in a loss to Texas A&M. There's the Arkansas game. Yeah, they Even scored. A win. Yeah, they scored seven uh, in a loss to Ole Miss. Right? And that's just not acceptable in any way. So I will say that, that it will be interesting to see how you can take an offense that was originally an air raid offense shift them to uh, more of a balanced offense this year and then move them to kind of that veer and shoot style of the, um, of, you know, Levy's background. So uh, it just seems like a lot of transition. It is a lot of transition. And I do wonder with Levy in terms of the biggest thing, as I mentioned, is going to be getting the players to carry out what he's going to want to do. It's one thing to get people to UCF, which was the cream of the crop in the American when it was there, and to get people to Ole Miss, a big brand in the SEC, and Oklahoma, a massive brand in the Big 12. 
But Mississippi State is it's going to be a little bit harder to get people to go there than it will be play blue places like Oklahoma, which I think a lot of people will agree is a blue blood. I think from there you got to really cre- it, it becomes a question of can you be can you sell to the players the culture and what Starkville has to offer for a lot of these guys. If he is able to do that, I do think he'll be able to have a lot of success in Starkville. Yeah, he has a very interesting recruiting background. You know, um, as you mentioned, Oklahoma's a blue blood, and they have all kinds of reach and history and relationships. But if you just look at the places that he's coached, like, okay, he's coached at Baylor, so he, he has roots in Texas. You know, if you're coaching in Oklahoma, you kind of have to recruit Texas. You know, he was at UCF, so he's got some background in Florida. These are all talent-rich places, so we'll see how it goes. But I'm really interested to see how it translates um, you know, to recruiting Mississippi because I feel like that's the big one. It is, and there is plenty of talent in the state. So I think if you're able to start within the state and really get going from there, you're in a good spot. Yeah, so um, – I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what else, what other, what other thoughts did you have? In terms of this hire? Yeah. Well, again, a lot of it is going to involve getting the players in the building that can carry out a lot of what he is going to want to do. And I'm very, also very curious to see what his staff is able to do, because not only are they going to aid him in making sure that they get those recruits, but also to make sure that those guys who they are able to get are able to do what they're able to do and be able to put up 30 points or 40 points when they have to. Yeah, and what gets me is um, I'll, I'll I'll throw some uh, data viz that I, I've come up with, um, but yeah, it just seems like everywhere he's gone, they've not only done like oh hell offensively, they have been like electric offensively. Oh yeah, definitely. So if that's like your big thing is hey we want to come in and score points, um, yeah, problem solved. Very much so. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's also kind of uh, going to the same well again. You know, you, you think of Moorhead and Mullen, and you're hoping it's more Mullen this time. Yeah, much more Mullen. And the guys that Mullen was able to bring in and just be able to utilize in a way that he did. So, yeah, and then, you know, I would also like to throw out there that this is not going to be – an air raid situation this is a totally different thing and if you look at it oklahoma actually runs the ball a fair amount so like let's not get too carried away here right you got to have balance in today's in, in an sec offense where there are still plenty of great defenses out there and plenty of great athletes to be able to stop that so being able to be as multi-dimensional as you can is going to be a really big factor here i'm actually really intrigued with um what state ends up doing at the quarterback position you know now that will rogers is in the portal you can't imagine that Mike Wright is going to be their week one starter next year. Probably not, unless he, uh, again, he did serve a pretty good role as a guy who could come in and offer some, you know, second and short, third and short. Oh, he's in the game. Are they going to run the, who, is he going to run it or is he going to give it away? But in terms of the starter, yeah, I, I'm not sure they'll go with Mike Wright. I am, I do understand Dylan Gabriel has some eligibility. Yeah, well, that seems like kind of a, uh, it just seems more like kind of a wish to me than reality, but we'll see. The, the The thing is that, yeah, maybe he has a year of eligibility left, but, like, you've got to want to stay in college for six years. 
Yeah, that that might be hard to sell. It, it'll be interesting to see how what what he ends up doing with that. And I can't imagine his draft stock is going to get any higher. And if anything, you know, playing quarterback for this Mississippi State team in year one of a you know kind of a transition year against SEC defenses might not be the greatest thing in the world. Right. So, you know, we'll see where where all this goes and. uh you know, I, I, uh, let's also maybe pump the brakes, the pup, yeah, pump the brakes on, uh, you know, Jackson Arnold talk or, or whatever. But, uh, you know, that's kind of got to be one of the notes that you're thinking of, though, is that, you know, I was kind of looking through his 24-7 page of, like, okay, like, who is he listed as the, like, primary recruiter for? And... You know, I think it's probably more so that he's been a coordinator, so you don't have, like, a ton of guys who he's, like, the primary recruiter for. But, I mean, you know, Jackson Arnold is one of those. Um, it's, it's a lot of quarterbacks. You know, Nick Evers, who I think ended up transferring. Uh, Luke Altmeyer, uh, You know, uh, Kevin Sperry. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there, there are some other guys in there, too. But um, it's, a, it's a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah, it's a lot of quarterbacks and quarterbacks that uh, you know he has the he obviously has the ability to connect with and you know possibly bring to Starkville and you know there's plenty of guys out there there's plenty of guys in state I, we're gonna be we're actually gonna be covering a cup I know you're gonna be covering a game with two quarterbacks that are pretty well talked about at your state championship game coming up so obviously a lot of talent in the state gonna be really interested to see how he recruits that. Yeah, so I mean, there's, you know, it's again, we'll, we'll always say that you know, there's a lot of talent in the state, so it will be interested to see how this recruiting class shakes up. So, um, and it's got to be an interesting time to be a recruit, seeing all the um, kind of changes at, at Mississippi State over the last couple of years. You know, if you were a, you know, I guess if you're a high school senior right now, you know, that's a lot to take in. If you were, you know, thinking if you were interested in Mississippi State going from Leach to Arnett to Levy and just all these different changes because every time you know there's going to be changes even you know at at, at the position level. Yeah, definitely, it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves. So yeah, I don't know. Was there um, anything anything else on your mind about Jeff Levy? Off the top of my head, not really. I think I've discussed pretty much all of it. Yeah. So you know, we'll let's we'll, we'll see where this goes and. Um, you know, you know, it would be a great place to uh, keep up with all the uh, latest news uh, of, about Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Djournal.com. Yep. Uh, if you want more of our Ole Miss or Mississippi State coverage, um, you can always check out our lineup of newsletters at djournal.com forward slash newsletters. Um, and if you want to join the conversation with other fans, check out our Mississippi State sports discussion or Ole Miss sports discussion groups on Facebook. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we're sitting at uh, early on. And, um, you know, just another big week in Mississippi. And I um, hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. So, yeah, thanks for joining us, guys.